you met one of your uh, heroes this week. Oh my god, I forgot. I forgot that that was on the docket to talk. about. It was about. clearly very important to you. No, it's this is I. I'm so excited. I think look, this ties into the episode too because our connecting chain is Ray Liotta, uh, connecting actor. I mean, um, and I got to meet an actor whose work I love, uh, Kevin Corrigan. You maybe most famously know him from uh, Goodfellas, playing Henry's kid brother, or from Grounded for Life. Uh, the or from uh, Walking and Talking. Uh, I know you, and I actually just recently rewatched this movie. You loved him. You loved the movie Big Fan. Yes, I right? do. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's another great thing. Uh, Although I would say, yeah, I, I do love Big Fan. That is a great role of his. Grounded for Life. I, I watched a lot of that just as like on so days, uh, days coming home from school, ABC Family. Dude, so uh, Kevin Corrigan, who uh, uh, he has, he also uh, is an artist and he just opened an art show that's running all this month at a new gallery called the Astoria Art Center. Um, that just opened and like does showcases local artists in my neighborhood. Um, both of these episodes are doing sort of very, uh, very uh, story essential. That's what I said. I don't like uh, this is like a good way to start the year to keep you invested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I went to the I went to the gallery show on its opening night. Uh, he was there talking about like the pieces and and signing stuff. Um, and I bought a couple of prints. Um, one of them is a sketch of him and Ray Liotta in the car, the helicopter scene in Goodfellas. Oh, very nice. Um, and another one is just this like beautiful portrait this sketch that he drew of, uh, uh, a guy in a, in a bar in Tribeca, a bar called Walker's, uh, pub, which is another, it's a bar I've like been meaning to go to. And he t- turns out he had like a portrait there of it. And I had the, I got to nerd out about the art and his acting roles and got to talk to him for like 10 minutes. And uh, I feel bad for everything I subjected him to because I really just wanted to talk about all, like I had so much to say. Um, but he told me about filming Goodfellas and uh, kind of what he was going for with the role and how it reminds him of uh, like the hitchhiker character in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, the way that this is kind of like a doe-eyed character, like n- not within the world. Um, told me how that like inspired the piece that he drew about it. Then we started talking about um, Walker's pub and how I saw it in Ned Burns project. Um, and he was like, oh, I did like eight episodes with Ned Burns of a show called Public Morals. And I was like, oh yeah, I know, of course. I, I love Public Morals. And then he's like, I think I was killed in Walker's actually. And then the art manager was like, oh really, how? And I think he, said, yeah, I think he was like, oh, I was stabbed in the throat or something, I forget. But it was just so weird to hear, hear him be like, I think I was killed in Walker's. Uh, but then at the end, um, before I left, I bothered him one more time to just ask him about Grounded for Life because Eddie, the character that he plays on Grounded for Life, yeah. is, he's like the supporting character in the show, the brother of Donald, of Donald Logue, who's the, the, the star of the show. And Eddie is one of my favorite sitcom characters just in history. I love supporting kind of like side characters, but there's something about that one that is like so unique. And I, this is what I said to him and I'll also say it to you, which is that he, Eddie is the Kramer of that show, but Eddie's energy in the show is fully 
it's kind of anti-Kramer. It's like understated. He plays everything very kind of low key. It's it's dry. It's, it's very, very dry. It's, it's, it's very Alan Arkin. I feel like interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's 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 weird because he kind of gets the the a lot of the laughs of like he's the character where a lot of the like what kooky thing did he do get laughs from that. He's kind of the character that would do that, but it it just you wouldn't think that it would be delivered in this way. Yeah. It was something I loved so much. And um, I asked him about that. I was like, I was like, I don't know if any of this will make sense to you, but it, that, that, that's what this feels like to me. And he said, no, like that makes sense. And his uh, first thing he said was he was the network hated that. <laughs> and I go, really? And he goes like, yeah. And then he praised, he talked about Donald Logue and how they had done a movie together. And then after that, you know, Donald got this show and he brought, Kevin Corrigan along on the show and when the network was not like loving the way that he was doing this character Donald held such weight on the set that he was like let's no 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 let's uh like this is the way it should be done and he let that character kind of be what it was uh he also said he was like very inspired by um Andy Kaufman and stuff like that to do it um so it survived longer than I remembered it surviving so yeah it, i think it did have a moment where it was like kind of saved by maybe another it, network or it something, was right? you're okay. right it, it started on fox it premiered in january of 01 on fox and was done on fox in december of 2002 the wb now the cw rescued it and it came back in february of 2003 and then ran till january of 05 wow, five okay. seasons 91 episodes i would have i would have pegged it for like a three season show so uh, it, it had yeah, a little yeah. bit more longevity than i remember yeah yeah but and it just it was just like honestly a thrill to get to talk to him about goodfellas yeah. grounded for life kind of had burned stuff um and andy Kaufman, which i was just nerding out the whole no, time no gen genuinely that's really cool um did you get a sense that he gets those questions a lot i feel like he's i feel like no right I don't, you know i don't know and i actually was like when i mentioned i felt bad bringing up grounded for life as well because like it's kind of like one of the most mainstream things and it's certainly the way a sitcom goes it's they're it's one of the more two-dimensional things that like an actor has to do often right um and you could tell that he cares so much about the craft of acting and stuff like that which is my my favorite actors are the ones who like have you know still instill like that craft into it and like publicly kind of um like to nerd out about the crafts. Like Leo does that. And, um, you know, like Hoffman did that. Giamatti does that. Um, so yeah, I felt bad like bringing it up for that reason. And I, I couldn't tell if he gets it a lot or not, but he was really nice and receptive in, yeah. in answering it. Yeah, big fan. Another really good role of his. Yeah. Like you were saying. Uh, I also really like him in The Departed in his minor role as uh, he's like Leo's cousin or yeah, brother yeah. or something. Similar to like the leota connection and goodfellas too like like another yeah. relative of the main character yeah. um and then he's also really funny in pineapple express yeah and, and, and super bad as well yeah. and um yeah i also know from like public morals which was the ed burn show and uh the black donnelly's i just watched which was like an old nbc mob drama he was in too um yeah i would I, I was just so overjoyed at how nice he was where the where are these prints I will show you. Thanks for asking. So Nick is getting up from the mic right now to find the prints. Oh my gosh. I was surprised that they weren't displayed when well, I came in. Well, because I need to find a place to display them. So these are... 
This is I'm sorry, radio audience. This is awful. But I'm showing Andrew these prints. These are the prints of the pencil sketches that he that he drew, but then he hand painted the prints. And so this one here, he was telling me, is inspired by the art of like fear and loathing in Las Vegas, because that experience reminded him a lot of fear and loathing, or the scene did. Yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's him and Leota in the car. This is like the par the paranoia. Yeah, yeah. Scene, right? The yeah. freak out. He called it helicopters and tomato sauce, or his other name for it was uh, May. 20, May 11th, whatever the date was. Yeah, right. whatever. Well, very cool. Very um, cool. We'll so keep, We'll keep the Ray Liotta momentum oh going here gosh. on this week's episode. I know, it fits so well. So who did you meet this week? Uh, did I meet anybody? No. It's okay. No. We, both came, we both came with exclusive information. We did. From the from yeah. people this, for this two-episode recording session. This has been a very special month of CCG, <laughs> I feel like. It really has. I, I, CCG. I cannot, I cannot wait to see what... The next chain is because there's no way it's gonna we're gonna be it's we're gonna come crashing down to earth we're gonna two yeah. movies we don't care about at all <laughs> well okay that's one other thing i do want to mention real quick is we're going from J jeff daniels in this chain yes um, so so this chain ends this week we started with juliette binoche we take ray liotta out of the son of no one which we reviewed last time and ray liotta and jeff daniels are both in the movie we're reviewing today which is jonathan demi's something wild uh that's correct um, did you do the whole this is CC this is so I did not. Time? That was me doing it right there. Oh, okay, cool. Um, uh, one other thing I want to say. We do have integrity. We don't rig stuff on this show, even though we started off this series with Diner and Meg Ryan movies, and we started off this year with Ray Liotta movies. I mean, it's not rigged. But um, And last year, for me, we started with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and, and we have the chance to hit a movie that one of our friends loves. Going from Jeff Daniels, it's possible that we could get speed. Yes, but I refuse to rig it. And I told him I'm that not this, rigging it. I told him the that The reason this I'm bringing this up on Mike is while we were recording the last episode, I did get a text from him saying, and I quote, listen, that was the whole text, which, you know, it means, it means, it means business. New text, you better rig the system tonight. I need to follow. I need to see speed on the following episode. I'm sorry, we can't. I'm not doing it. We have it. integrity. Yeah. And if you if you think that we'll rig the show for you, I don't want you listening to the show. And there, I didn't say you should, and I don't want you to, but you still yeah. should, because we only have like four listeners. And our listenership <laughs> drops from, I was going to say from 10 to 9. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if we get speed, that's a matter of fate, but... All right, but before we make our next chain, we have a lot of business to get to. Otherwise, I will start with what you what I've been watching this week, just because I feel like... Your, your voice needs a rest after Kim Corrigan. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really been like kind of like a quiet time for me in terms of watching things to talk about that specifically you would care about. Um, I, I want to talk about a movie that is in the Oscar race that I saw twice uh, called American Fiction, which is a film I think mm -hmm. that will, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it, I think it will really speak to you. I have not seen it. Uh, going back to what we talked about last week, I heard like the trailer doesn't really, the movie doesn't really feel like the trailer. Is that true? Yes, okay. yes, yes, in a sense. It, it feels like an aspect of the movie, but not the, the full picture. Okay. Uh, the film is written and directed by Cord Jefferson, which um, I he is a former co-worker of mine uh, in the very loose sense. He he was a writer on The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. Oh, so wow. he's also, he was also, Nash actually, our friend, might actually have a better connection with him um, than I did. I was just an intern at the time, but he was a writer on that staff. He graduated from working on uh, that show and other c comedy shows to writing key episodes of Succession and Watchmen. 
So he he became like a legit like HBO screenwriter for major major series for them. And this is his uh, directorial debut. It is an adaptation of a novel Erasure that came out in two thousand one. Uh, it is and it stars Jeffrey Wright as uh, Monk. This he's kind of like this sophisticated uh, African American college professor who writes like these very detailed, critically acclaimed but really poorly selling books, uh, and in an attempt to basically in an attempt to make his book sales and writing like more prevalent and also to kind of spit in the face of stereotypes. He writes like the worst, like stereo, most stereotypical, like kind of offensive book about like drug dealers and like pregnant women and like mm-hmm. crack and like abandoned fathers, like basically every African-American stereotype that you could think right. of. He writes this book, he sends it out and thinking like almost as a joke and it ends up being like a huge hit. Uh-huh. Like, and the, the movie is about him navigating the fact that it's a huge hit. That's part of it. That's the part that the trailers have been selling. The other part of it is it's a very soulful family drama about the the things happening in his own life. Uh, his mother is going through a sickness. Uh, he has kind of conflict with his brother and sister. His sister's played by Tracy Ellis Ross. His brother's played by Sterling K. Brown in a really good supporting performance that actually Love just got a SAG nomination. It's probably in contention for an Oscar nomination. Uh, this movie's really good. It's really funny. It also really hits the dramatic notes well in a way that I think just ta- thinking about how we talked about Dan in real life, I think will speak to you. It, it has like kind of this realness to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it is very close to being like one of the greats of the year. I think it's in the next tier. There's some things it does at the end that I just found challenging and kind of made like the message of the film a little unclear and more murky than there, there's there's supposed to be some ambiguity to it. And it's hard, it's hard for me to get into without you having seen it, but there's some, supposed to be some ambiguity to how it ends, but the way it ends, like, do, it, it just, like, it didn't connect with me, it didn't click for whatever reason, and I've seen the film twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely recommend it. I think it's really strong. And Jeffrey Wright specifically is really strong in it, too. Like, this is probably his best performance, in a movie at least. He was just nominated for it, right? Yes. He, he will definitely be nominated. He'll definitely be nominated for an Oscar. Barring some kind of like massive upset, yeah, it's on my list to watch. Um, I've been I've been meaning to get out to the theater to see it. Um, do you the, the 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 trailer made it look like um, it reminded me of remember that movie that like went viral for all the wrong reasons. Um, people were mocking it. Um, the Karen one. The no, the Loquisha one. Same called idea. Loquisha. Yeah, 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 same same idea. I think. Okay, uh, it, it reminded me of that, but but. Um, good? <laughs> the trailer? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it just, it like, it does the satire just right. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. It's not obnoxious about it. Mm-hmm. And like the way, the way it plays those notes are really funny. It, it, it comes out really well. Jeffrey Wright is asked to do a lot of versatile things. There's not a lot of actors that could do comedy and drama in the same role like he does mm-hmm. here. Uh, and he just, he just nails it. He's so, he's such... He's so good, you know? Yeah. He's just, like, solid in everything he's in. Like, he's finally getting a chance to be a star, a starring leading man, and it's it's nice to see. So that's American Fiction. What have you been watching? I, um... You know, there's not a lot of new stuff that I've got gotten out to see recently. I saw, um... I watched a movie called uh, Sleepers. Barry Levinson? Which is a Barry Levinson movie. 
1996 Kevin Bacon movie, actually, friend of the pod. Um, and, uh, you know, it was really good. It, it starts off as this kind of, like, story about kids in Hell's Kitchen. Very, like, kind of Bronx Tale-esque, like, back in the neighborhood, back in the old neighborhood kind of thing. Really like the vibe of it. And then it becomes notably darker. It's about um, kids who wind up in juvenile detention um, and then are basically, like, molested by guards. Kevin Bacon being being one of one of the guards, one of the villains, which is, like, an interesting role to see him in. Um, and then when they come out, basically, as adults, they are trying to get revenge on... Uh, on them, and you know, this is quite the cast. It's it's a but yeah, so it's a really stacked cast, and uh, I think I I liked a lot of the movie up until like maybe the end. I I kind of wandered on like what the point of it was supposed to be. Um, it uh, but it, it's really good, and I mainly watched it because De Niro's in it, and I've I've whenever I see a screen cap of him in this movie, I never know what the movie is, and then I always get the question wrong if it's an image round uh on trivia night like robert de niro movies so now i'm not gonna get it wrong i'm proud of you that's bettering yourself in 2024 it is yeah my big thing trivia wise uh this is like sort of a sidebar but also has to do with that point i'm gonna get better at geography this year making it a point oh that's that's very admirable uh i'm terrible at it i'm not gonna try to get better it has cost (laughs) us not it has cost you and i specifically in multiple rounds yeah Yeah. um and and that doesn't even account when we play on our own (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> um yeah if something is filmed somewhere then i know then that's uh, yeah. geography I if know. it's within <laughs> as we've learned from this last few podcasts it's within six miles of this six apartment. miles of here then i know it so don't tell me i don't know geography <laughs> i know all the corners of astoria um but sleepers uh i don't know it's a really good movie that's not often you know mentioned a lot yeah um i something yeah. i do want to note looking at the wikipedia page kevin bacon first build his face is nowhere on this poster that's interesting. It's De Niro. It's it's Robert Pat or not Robert Patrick, Jason Patrick, Benicio del Toro. Uh, well, it seems to be yeah, it seems to be alphabetical order, but he's not on the. Who's that poster. in the back right? Back right, that right there is. Um, Ron Eldred. No, that's Dustin Hoffman. Oh, oh yes, it is. Okay, yeah, he, it, it's like a very Ron Eldred's in it too. It's a very small. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't just pull Robert Ron Eldred out of my. Out of my ass. I, just, I was looking at the cast list. I I can see it's Dustin Hoffman now. It's a very small photo on my computer. All right, so that's Sleepers. Yeah, yeah, I honestly, I don't have much to say about it. But I watched it, and I just wanted to let you know I've been watching something. Oh, well, thank you. That's the name of the segment, so it worked out. <laughs> Accountability is important. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, let's move on to something wild. I've been throwing a little slang on it. Should I call it something wild and be proper about it? I've been doing something wild, like there's no G. Oh, um, you know, that's up to you. You know, it is the wilder way to say it. I, I, that was, I was going to say that. <laughs> the wild podcast. Oh, my God. Okay. Let's get serious. Yeah. Somebody, some, three three of our, we're down, <laughs> we're down to six listeners. Three people just turned that off. <laughs> Something Wild is directed by Jonathan Demme, who is a very uh, notable director of the back half of the 20th century. Uh, he passed away a few years ago. Obviously, he's best known for Silence of the Lambs. Um, but he also made movies like this. He made Philadelphia. Um, he made Melvin and Howard, which is a movie that came out before this. Yeah. The Stop Making Stop Sense. Stop Making Sense. Which has had this like huge revival in the last 
few months specifically because it had had an anniversary recently. Yeah, so or, uh, that and The Last Waltz are kind of typically held up as like the best concert films. Yeah, it's actually coming back. They announced today it's coming back to theaters again. Stop making sense. Yeah, I got to give it a chance. I haven't seen it. Interesting. Um, the film stars Melanie Griffith and Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels is the lead of the film. He plays Charlie Driggs. He's kind of this like, he's, he's this normal average investment banker in New York City. We don't really know a lot about his backstory. We just know like he... Um, he dresses in a nice suit and he goes out for breakfast and he, he's like about to be named vice president of his company. Uh, and one day he kind of like ditches out on his tab at a restaurant. Melanie Griffith sees him ditch out on the tab. Um, she plays what she says her name at the moment is Lulu. Uh, she's this woman who offers to give him a ride home. Uh, and it kind of develops into this like wild ride for the first hour of the film where the two of them are just kind of like out on like an adventure through the East Coast of the United States, uh, having like wild sex with each other and doing like debaucherous things, running out on different tabs at different restaurants throughout the area, like a lot of dining dashes, a lot of like, like, like theft. Like mm -hmm. she, she robs like a liquor store at one point and stuff. Like she's clearly, she's clearly like a, she's a, she's a free spirit is the, mm -hmm. is the kind way to put it. She takes him to meet her mom and everything like that. It's kind of like this whirlwind. And for the first half of the film, the way I interpreted it is we are waiting to find out if this is like a dream scenario for him, a fantasy, or if it, it's going to be a nightmare. And the way that, like, okay. like when is the hangover going to hit on this fun, right, right, this right. fun time? Okay. And the movie, in the second half, the hangover part of it actually comes in the form of Ray Liotta, mm -hmm. who plays her ex-husband, Ray Sinclair, who just got... Technically still husband, actually. I don't think they've, yeah. they're they really divorced. Um, he just got out of prison. They meet at a high... She takes him to his her high school reunion. Right. We find out her real name is Audrey and that she is still married to Ray. And the latter half of the film is kind of like this cat and mouse game as both Ray and Charlie try to woo her affections, basically. It's a mm -hmm. matter of like who who's going to end up with Audrey and how dangerous is this game going to get? So in a way, it takes on like kind of thriller qualities at the end. Although yeah. I would never call this a thriller. I would call it an action comedy. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I would I would agree with that. But it is definitely hard to distinguish by the end. Um, particularly when, you know, Leota's the one doing the chasing. In those yeah. Moments. This movie was pretty acclaimed when it came out. Um, Golden Globe nominations for Daniels, Griffith, Leota. It's considered one of the best things Leota's ever done, as we talked about in the last episode, I believe. Um, it certainly is one of the best things that Melanie Griffith and Jeff Daniels have ever done on screen. It's considered one of Jonathan Demme's most iconic films. Sure. What did you think? Uh, I loved it. I think it's a really... Um, it's really, like, an interesting movie, even as far as just who's involved with it and the type of movie that it is. It really straddles genres in a way that you don't often see. Uh, it also, I mean, the people involved, it's it, Jonathan Demi clearly like had, uh, you know, people from his circle. Like he said, he did stop making sense. There's a lot of kind of, uh, people in that scene are similar, like music, music and alt art scenes that are in, uh, this movie in one way or another. John Waters in the movie. The score was done by, uh, John Cale and Laurie Anderson, who are, John Cale was like, um, Founder of the Velvet Underground, the band. Yeah. Laurie Anderson 
um, was also a musician from that period. She actually later went on to like marry Lou Reed. Um, they don't, I don't, I think this is the only thing they've scored together. Kale does some stuff. She does some stuff. Um, but did you mention you did the opening song too? Uh, who did the opening song? David Byrne. Oh, okay. Right, right. Same yeah, idea. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. David Byrne's mom is also in the movie, as is Jonathan Demme's mom in one scene. Um, yeah, I forget where. Uh, the Feelies is another man they play during, like, the, the reunion, which, I don't know, you could just really tell um, that Demi's like, a fan of this stuff, and he put it into this movie. The movie's not about that world, but it's it's fun to see the characters in there, and also it does kind of imbue... The movie with some sense of that um yeah no, I, I loved it i thought it was great i thought obviously it's a star making turn for leota uh it's just so fun i love a good contained adventure film it takes place over a short period of time and you're not really sure what it's supposed to be or what it's trying to be in a way yeah yeah but totally and and that puts you kind of in jeff daniels's shoes like charlie mm-hmm. Charlie doesn't know what this adventure is going to be as it's going along too. You're just you're just swept up in the ride, and he does. Jonathan Demme does such a great job at making this adventure feel just like so full full of colorful and vibrancy and life. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, it's similar. It's similar to what I said about the Birdcage a few episodes episodes ago. Where it's just like it just it creates this atmosphere and this like vibe that you just don't want to leave. You right. know. I think the first hour of this film is like legitimately like perfect. Like there's not a single thing I would change about it in every single aspect. Um, I thought this movie was really great. Um, the second half is a little bit more conventional when they introduce Ray. Um, it's not bad by any means or anything like that. It just like the vibe is a little different and it's not as like, and Ebert kind of goes into this in his review as well. Um, he articulated better than me. He's basically saying like, the beginning part of this movie is so perfect and so like unpredictable and just like immaculately cool and like sw- you're swept up in Melanie Griffith's performance and mm-hmm. like it, it was unsustainable. Like at a certain point that the movie had to make some narrative decisions. The narrative right. decisions it makes are really good and tense. They're just a little bit more familiar. Um, sure. I, again, this is not me knocking the movie really. It's just, it's just me complimenting just how great those first 60 minutes are. Mm-hmm. Um, just like all the stops they, they, they go to just the car she drives, the cars they steal, the -hmm. people they meet, it just, it it just, it's, it's, it's just magical. It's movie magic, really. Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's a really good pairing, Daniels and, um, Griffith's characters. Uh, it's something that could easily be done so poorly or so obviously where, you know, this kind of free spirit is getting the together guy out of his shell. Um, but it, it works so well, partly because also they they know to give Daniels enough, I think, depth. Like at the beginning, it all starts with him at the beginning, kind of like trying to skip out on a check, which I believe he's trying to do just for fun. Like, I don't think there's... Um, She's attracted to him because, because he's of doing it for but the But he thrill. didn't forget his wallet or anything, right? No, okay. I don't think so. I, fir- think- I, I had misremembered that he forgot his wallet or something. But... Yeah, that it's it's a it shows a very straight and narrow guy who's looking to rebel. Um, and we'll get into this with the quotes, but he talks about how he's kind of like inherently a rebel, but he's a very mainstream kind of like Wall Streetish guy. And I don't know, it's it's so easy to do something like that in such a 
kind of cliche way. Uh, um, and also a way that undercuts uh, the Lou, Melanie Griffith's character, right. Lulu. So to give to give a little bit more credit to who wrote the film, Eric Max Fry, E. Max Fry is what mm-hmm. he goes by. He wrote the film. He eventually would get an Oscar nomination way down the line for a movie completely different called Foxcatcher, which is a right. wrestling movie that I really like with Shannon Tatum and uh, Steve Carell. A, a key thing that he does is fleshing out both of these performances. You're right. This could have gone wrong. It could have been obnoxious. You could have disliked Melanie Griffith's character. You could have thought he was like a schmuck. But it really encapsulates who they are and like what they want. Jeff Daniels, they make a very specific point through the movie. And this becomes kind of like a point of contention between the two of them later. Because it's like a lie that he told. He doesn't have a wife and kid anymore. He's divorced. She ran away with him. He's looking for adventure. And by making him not an adulterer... It makes just makes you like him more, you know. Yeah, like he he's not he's not just running away from responsibilities. He has no responsibilities left. He's looking for something. Right, um, but he still wants her to believe. Yeah, that he is an adulterer. Yeah, for and he wants that out. He pretends to call his wife at one point to say he won't be home. Right, because he's afraid, and he's he ends up being correct. He's afraid that she's going to shun him when she finds that out. Um, which I found like mm-hmm. that was like the one thing about the conflict where I was a little mixed on because she's been lying to him the whole time too. So it's kind of like. You're being a yeah, hip, you're being I was a thinking about that. Yeah, but it's also she, as you find out later, she gets a lot of like, um, she's just coming out of this Leota relationship and has is as much as she she claims to be a free spirit, she's actually looking for somebody. Yeah, in a way, who she can trust, which is ironic because she's drawn to that's, him. That's exactly what I was going to say for her too. By could, the dishonesty, it, it's really it's a really tricky role because, yes. like unpredictability can be unattractive if you seem like a hot mess but it's like a cry it's almost like a cry for help you know what i mean yeah it is and that's not i think the it's the hardest thing for me to digest when watching it and i think i need to watch it a few more times to really get what her character is kind of hoping for in jeff daniels because there almost seems to be like two dueling intents yeah you know no i agree totally I, I think I think it's all really well fleshed out and that's important. It and and like the same thing with Ray when he comes into, first of all, they made it easy on him just make, keeping his name Ray and Ray, yeah. Ray Sinclair. Uh, but when he comes into the picture, you know, he's got, he, you You were talking last episode about the, the secrets behind his eyes when you're talking about his role in the son of no right. one. And that really is really utilized beautifully here um, by oh, Demi yeah. because he starts out and seems kind of friendly to the point where Charlie actually kind of likes him. Um, uh, and then just like, it just gets more violent and yeah. reactionary and to the point where it obviously escalates to huge amounts of violence towards the end. Yeah. And that, and it's so, it's so crucial the way that he plays it too, because I mean, you talked about this before, it becomes a different movie after like the first 60 minutes when he's introduced, the whole thing kind of shifts and, to shift a tone of a movie, you need to have a convincing reason for it to shift. Yeah. And in this case, it's it's not just the conceit that they're running from this guy or, or whatever, but it's who it's who he is. It's like the weight that he brings to the screen really like holds down and sh- holds down that second half of the movie. Yeah. And fully reshapes it. And um, God, I, I just think it's. All three of them as actors, I think, just like 
brings so much and something so different to this movie. Yeah. It's so it's so it's so fun to watch for that reason. I mean, like Mel, you talk back to Melanie Griffith's character a minute, like the it would be so easy for her to be written as essentially uh uh like a manic pixie dream girl type, right? Where she's very two-dimensional and is just like aloof and oh, she to loves pull. to change her hair and yeah, 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 yeah. And is just trying to pull Jeff Daniels out of his world for better or for worse. And it's not they add such depth to her. Fry does. And uh it just makes the whole thing so it, it sells the whole thing so much more. Yes. So- it's really interesting because it kind of the movie, looking at like everything that Demi likes, like the kind of like avant-garde artists that he works with and stuff like that, it feels like it's a call to um, kind of like the counterculture, but it's like done in such an interesting way. It's done in a world, it it's set against like the actual, just the normal mainstream, if that makes sense. Yeah, like it is. It's, it's a very real feeling movie. There's only... She, Melanie Griffith is really the only person who's kind of like she's the only outside influence in the movie otherwise you're dealing with a guy in a suit you're dealing with a pretty regular world around him um, and it just feels so much more conventional than I don't know if you were to want to make that point in a movie you'd put the guy in the suit into like on like St. Mark's Place or something on the punk scene and like have this very fish out of water movie and that and that's not what it is it's like a totally different formula that makes this point yeah I'm, i mostly agree with that i think that contrast is really really felt when they go to visit her mother and her mother's sure. just like a normal woman and yeah and it kind of articulates for charlie that she knows that audrey slash lulu is like a free spirit and like a one of a kind yeah but then again when they're out on the road they meet people that are like that too, like the like the family sure. that they pick up and John yeah. Waters of it all and everything. And and that's another cool thing too is like it. As much as it's fun to have a movie that's that's point is to kind of embrace your free spirit, it also makes the point with her that like there, there's not really any actually getting away from yourself, you know. Yeah. Like she faces, she uh, gets her own kind of comeuppance in for trying to be so free-spirited she's shown being in pain she's shown having to deal with her past she's shown having to lie to her mom and things like that yeah and it, that's so interesting like the the as much as it's at what it's as much as it's advocating for that kind of like shedding weight and stuff it also shows that there are consequences to it. it 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 really is an inspiring message in a way that's not grating you know what i mean it's like it just yeah. like be brave mm-hmm. is, the, is the general thing of, of it all like where it's whether it's be brave in confronting the things that bothered you in the past or be brave right. to, to try new things mm-hmm. and and leave behind negativity and just be with somebody that you, you can love. You know? Right. It is it's a really it's like one of probably one of my favorite romantic comedies too. If you if you count it as a romantic comedy, obviously it has twists and turns as something like when Harry met Sally doesn't really have, but like mm-hmm. it, it has all the hallmarks besides that, you know? Right. Like guy gets girl, guy loses girl, guy gets girl again. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Let's get to our categories. Let's do that. Quote and quotables. I, I actually wrote down quite a few for this one. Um, Kick it off. Let me see what the first one I want to say is. Uh, this one I just kind of find found amusing. Lulu to the liquor store owner that she's about to rob. The reason that I like scotch so much is that my family is Scottish. <laughs> 
I think maybe my favorite quote, going back also to the whole kind of inherent point of the movie, uh, what are you going to do now that you've seen how the other half lives? Uh, Charlie asks the other half, and she says, the other half of you. Mm. I like it. That is good. Uh, Charlie says to Lulu at one point, it's hard to imagine you growing up, which is Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. like a good character detail of how he views her and really what, like his his perception of what she is and then how it develops. Uh... (laughs) Uh, she says she doesn't like name tags. Charlie says, I never had many concrete convictions about him one way or another. It's a very <laughs> square kind of line. I love it. This one was kind of like a, Melanie Griffith, like is, I found her pretty generally attractive in this. And she mm-hmm. says at one point, uh, the cop says, you interested in motorcycles? He, she goes, no, I just like pick things between my legs. <laughs> pretty like yeah. funny, like funny, sexy line. Yeah. Uh, Charlie says, uh, you're going to make me do something I don't want to do. And she says, I can hardly wait. I think the two mothers um, are the old, well, maybe not. Uh, maybe it's not this. Tell me and I'll remember. There's, there's the old couple by the pool that's like, they look like a terrible couple. When, I think that might be them. When when Ray throws her in the pool. Yeah, I, I think that might that be them. Um, Lulu to Charlie when they're in her childhood room. And this is kind of a thesis that goes along the rest of the movie after this point. You're a pretty good liar when you want to be. Yes, that's good. Ray, Ray, Ray Liotta, uh, I'm glad to see you finally made it to the suburbs, bitch, is just... Um, I wrote that down, yep. It's, uh, it's, it's funny and, and just like a fun out-of-contact line to have. The finale takes place in Stony Brook. It does. Another Long Island. <laughs> another Long Island place made for me. You have another quote? I do. Uh, it's towards the end of the movie. I don't remember who said it to who. I, I didn't cite it. Charlie, I think, says it to his coworker. It's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. Yes, I also learned uh, it's uh, adapted from the Bible. Oh, really? Yes. Um, in fact, you know, for all our Bible heads out there, uh, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, nine four. Ecclesiastes, I think. Ecclesiastes? No, is that it? I don't know. Well, I, well I, I went to Catholic school for twelve years. I should know that. Yeah, I went for a long time too. Um, I have one more, and I figured I couldn't do it justice, so I pulled it. And I'm going to say it right now. I look like a goddamn TV show. Just like he does. It's really you didn't want to do the did did <laughs> I couldn't remember the rhythm of it. Um, big fan of uh, Ray making a little square with his hands and say, and, you know, if this was like... Uh, 2006, that would be my ringtone. So let's talk about Ray and the Tom Tammy. Oh my God, I've been waiting for this one my whole life. I I mean, this is like, uh, Goodfellas notwithstanding, I don't know if he's ever been better in a movie. It's No, I fully agree. And can I, you know, I'll give you two fun facts about Ray and his casting in this movie. Sure. Number one, um, last thing he was in before he died, one of the last things was Blackbird, Dennis Lehane Project. Yep. Um, Which just actually won an Emmy for Paul Walter Hauser. Yes. Um, Ray was dropped, but... Uh, no, I was bummed that he didn't win it, though. Uh, Dennis Lehane has always been a big Ray fan. That was the first time that they worked together. When he met Ray, he, um, he was over his house for a party, and he, when they were working on the project, he, like, kept it under wraps that he was, like, a big Ray Liotta fan until he was over Dennis's house one day, and Dennis brings Ray into his basement to show him that he has the Something Wild movie poster, and he asks Ray to sign it because oh, he loves great. that movie so much. But he got the he had to buy the Japanese poster because it's the only one that has Ray Liotta on it. And Ray, like, flipped out over it. Um, more more uh, relevant to the episode, Ray got this role 
because he was connected to Melanie Griffith. Yep. Melanie Griffith, um, they took acting class together. I think she was also like dating his roommate or something like that. And he did like, did not want to reach out and call in a favor, but he called Melanie Griffith and was like, is there any chance you can get me an audition for this Jonathan Demi movie? And it just so happens that Melanie had signed on to the movie with the requirement that she has say over uh, her male co-stars in the movie, or at least that one, because she had a bad experience on the movie before that with somebody that she worked with. And this wound up literally being his star-making turn. Yeah. The thing that made his career. I remember him talking about all that in uh, the GQ timeline of my career videos. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I... um. Isn't it funny how it works out like that? It really is an oh, industry. Oh, it's, it's of crazy, and it's the most per, and he's the most perfect part for it. Uh, it is. Uh, it's, for it. it's so close. It's so. It's so clear that Jonathan Demi fucking loves him, like in terms of just the way that he shoots him and everything like that. Right, he was right. born to be a movie star, but like yeah. when you move, like the moment he swings into screen when they first see him the first time dancing at the reunion, mm-hmm. it's clear that this is like a major, major star. Yeah, like making their arrival. He like. There's one shot that's very Scorsese-esque where he's like running his hands through his hair and it's like a it's like a it's a push into a tight shot on his face. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, God damn. Like, yeah. like it's clear. God damn. It. <laughs> OK, uh, the camera just loves him is the point. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you know, who could have been in Ray's role, but dropped out. Chris Isaac, the musician. Oh. Could have been him. Which movie, makes sense, given all the musician stuff you were saying earlier. Oh, I guess so. But, God, I don't think he would have held it down at all. I, I just... God, I can't imagine this movie. You could say that about a lot, but I can't imagine this movie with anybody else in that role. Uh, Liquid Death Pea Break. Um, this is the most boring part uh, man, of the film. Man, I really don't love scenes at dances in things. Mm. I often get kind of bored but there's no denying that it also narratively is important in this one not only because ray's introduced but because J- jeff daniel's cutting loose and really starting to like and 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 his co-worker being there. and his co-worker yeah yeah um but so maybe i'd like you know i'd peter in the beginning it really quickly peter in the beginning of the dance you yeah you can <laughs> you can say i think well, i think you can say that it goes on for too long and you know I think I would agree with that. Yeah, makes uh, sense. Another another thing, like I'm a believer, is playing at the dance, and I've realized I can't listen to that song without thinking about Shrek anymore, and, Sma- uh, <laughs> and Smash Mouth, and then I got sad about. Smash yeah, Mouth. I mean they had the upper hand because they didn't have to deal with that cover at the time. Yeah, which I I did. You know, I always kind of roll my eyes at that song, but if you look at it, like word for word, it is just describing a lot of Daniel's shift in character. Like I saw her face. And I'm a ble- I forget what the lyrics are, but you know, I I don't really have like a boring part. I do want to note that I thought that the concluding violence with Ray was like kind of it didn't feel like out of nowhere, but I kind of wish that the the way that it resolved wasn't so like overtly like literally he gets murdered. You know, does that make sense? Um, like, kind of. Like, like, couldn't he just been like arrested? Like, like, what fits the tone of the movie more? You know. Sure, but I think that's kind of what makes it so fun in a way. I don't think, even though the movie does change genre midway through or or whatever, it feels like a different movie. I don't think it really would feel like that if that didn't happen at the end. 
I think this is just a nitpick on my part. I was looking for something. It really doesn't bother me that much. It just was a thought that crossed my mind. Also, there's something to say about the movie being this kind of like chaotic ride and then it ending in some big blast, like some firework moment. Yeah. And that's not going to happen if he's apprehended, I don't think. I don't know. And there's something also, there's a there's an emotional come down too when it's like the Ray death scene kind of. Right. Things get dark. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme. Um, this is a person you recognize, a prop you recognize, a location you recognize. I just went with John Waters. John Waters in it. Uh, I think it was his like first movie role, maybe. I put Jack Gilpin. He plays Jeff Daniels' coworker. Um, it's a and, name that's familiar. For yeah, sure. he's in a lot of stuff, but he's not related to Perry Gilpin of Frasier. I looked it up. He's currently on the Gilded Age. Um, he is, and he also is a priest in Connecticut. The thing I know him the most for is his daughter, uh, Betty Gilpin, who was on Glow for a long time. Uh, she was in this movie, The Hunt, that was really good. You, you, she's like an actress. You've definitely seen her face before. Right. You know? She looks a lot like Jodie Comer. And like she looks like a mix between Jodie Comer and Rhea Seahorn, Seahorn from Better Call Saul. Sure. So that's that category. Uh, strongest Link. Movie MVP. I think I know yours, but... Yeah, it's R-A-Y-R-A. -A. Yeah. But also, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, all three of them, I just... There's not a weak point, really. I, I, I singled out Melanie Griffith because I think it's the most challenging of the three roles. It's the one that could have easily gone the most wrong, and she brings so much life to it. Mm -hmm. um, sure. But we, we've kind of we've kind of legislated that all already. Weakest Link. Worst part of the movie. Another difficult one for a movie that is really damn good. Dude, I... Look, I don't have any for it. Okay. I don't know. I don't you know what it would something. be. I don't know what it would be though. I it's there's nothing that is is weak about it. I'm not saying it's a perfect movie, but there's nothing that fundamentally is weak about right. it. You need a, like a nitpick. I need a nitpick. Something. I it's I know I have none. I know, but you got you got. You tell me yours, and then it all. Uh, the the police activity in this film is outrageous. That they're able Why? to just walk away from that car after they've crashed it. Nobody gets canvassed. No kind of suspects. The the cops are oh. the the like just the just the cops in general in this movie. They they commit so many crimes and nobody's ever on their tail. <laughs> um, th that actually genuinely did remind me of of a nitpick that I have. Um, is Ray? Uh, excuse me. Is Jeff Daniels running into his coworker at this dance that is so uh, at this high school reunion that is so far away? Yeah. Um, it's really convenient, but. As we'll get into, that's also kind of the fun of movies like this is when there are some conveniences. So it it doesn't ruin anything for me, but that is like my would probably be my biggest point of contention. I like that. ADD corner. Okay. Um, in Dumb and Dumber, Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey stick somebody with a check at a diner and then get away. Seabass. Jeff Daniels says, I saw this happen in a movie once, and Jim Carrey was like, oh, so what happened? They guy gets a sucker to pick up his tab and then gets away from it scot-free, and Jeff Daniels like, no, nah, they catch up with him a mile down the road and slit his throat. <laughs> um, not fully accurate, but apparently a reference to Something Wild and Jeff Daniels doing that in Something Wild. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, 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 I figured... They didn't want to make it so overt, I guess, right? Because, yeah, I think that's fine. Um, 
It's a funny joke, too. It's a good bit. It is. It's fun. Uh, that's all I have because I already covered uh, Dennis Lehan in that story before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Aaron Green says, I don't have much. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I... I don't think I have much. It's a good come. It's a kumbaya. You gotta give me something. You gotta nitpick something. Okay, <laughs> that was actually gonna be what it was, but I was gonna let you go because you came up with an answer. But I had, now that you mentioned it, you were ill prepared for weakest link. <laughs> I but I wrote in my notes honestly no clue <laughs> under that category. So we coached something out of you. Yeah. We got something. Double feature. Um, mine after hours, and I literally did double feature it with after hours. Uh, very much the same kind of contained in a short period of time. Uh, one's a road comedy, one's like a, literally a two square block comedy, but they're the same vibe. And it's all about kind of running into characters and some convenient coincidences and stuff like that. I think they're like super akin to each other. That's a good one. I haven't seen it. Still. You still haven't seen After Hours? No. All right. yeah, oh, I kind of okay. gave up the rest of the Scorsese thing. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you still haven't seen it. My God. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll, I'll get to it soon-ish. I, I just have all these things. I, I'm busy. My life is busy. <laughs> uh, I, went with, uh, I went with True Romance. Have you seen that? No. That's Tony Scott, written by Quentin Tarantino. Same idea. Uh, a couple... Th- this one is more overtly, like, crime-based. Like, they're on the run from, like, a drug... Uh, drug mafia basically um but it's about like the it's about like the wild ride between lovers and like the crazy adventures they get into as they try to avoid reality i guess Mm -hmm. yeah really really good movie definitely recommend it um i also wrote down as kind of like a more modern version uh bones and all by luca guadagnino uh with timothy chalamet and taylor russell uh, they play, it's like a road trip, kind of slice of life movie, but the, the difference is they are cannibals. Interesting. So. Now, can we go back to airing of grievances for a minute? Do I get a grievance too if I have one or not? Yeah, no, you do not. No. I don't. No, you can use ADD corner as your So I have to wait for the next order. ADD corner Yes. to air a grievance that came up yes. in this one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's fine. Tune in next week uh, and I'll forget it. Culinary chain bites. Uh, diner food, preferably not paid for. If you want to get really specific... Uh, JD Burger with some fries and extra pickles and a beer and a Coke. I was going to say a turkey club, just because that's like what I think of when I think of a diner. But okay. same idea. Well, and again, I wrote down whiskey again. <laughs> this time they overtly are drinking overt- a lot of whiskey. They are. But, but Ray orders uh, JD Burger with fries, extra pickles and a beer and a Coke. And two thoughts about that. One, I wonder if JD is a Jeff Daniels or Jonathan Demi uh, uh, reference. It's called a JD Burger. And number two, Hell yeah, normalize getting a beer and a Coke at the same time. You know, that is interesting because I like that too. I like to, I like having a beer with like my meal, but I don't like having a beer with my meal. That makes sense. Yes, yeah. I like having to wash it down. Dude, I do the same thing with coffee and chocolate milk with with pancakes or waffles at a diner. Yeah, makes sense. You know, I need one to go with the food and it's not the coffee. I usually I usually like like a Gatorade or a Powerade or something or like some kind of fruit drink to go with mm-hmm. whatever salty thing I'm having, you know what I mean? That makes sense. So so waffles aside or what what would you pair with this movie? Oh, you said a turkey, I, turkey club. club. Turkey club. You're right. But like like I said whiskey also kind of um caught my attention. But again, okay. I'm trying to get away from just doing the alcohol for that category. This movie in other countries. What is this movie called? Woo! Well, the working title in the U.S. was Crosscut. Don't know why. What? Huh? Yeah, but it was Crosscut. 
Um, in other countries, we saw this um, uh, Sauvage et Dangerous, Wild and Dangerous. In Italy, Qualcosa de Travelgente, Gente, Travelgente, something overwhelming. Not as fun. In Norway, this was Farlig Flirt, Dangerous, <laughs> Dangerous Flirting. I, it doesn't sound as romantic when you see <laughs> in that dialect. Uh, um, in the Soviet Union, it was Dikaya Stuka, wild thing. And um, it was a dangerous girlfriend in Germany. But you can always rely on them for having uh, a more fun version. So it's Gefaharlik Freundin. Gefaharlik Freundin. I missed that one. Can you say it again? Yes. I uh, actually heard it. I just want to hear it again. Gefaharlik <laughs> Freundin. No notes. Well done. One of your best. Thank you. Box office flashback. End this moment in history. I don't really, uh, I don't really have a history one for this one. I looked it up, couldn't find anything good, but I do have the box office. Uh, this was released on November seventh, nineteen eighty six. Uh, it came in seventh place, earned about one point eight million dollars in in money in nineteen eighty six. So that's probably what, like, that's probably ten million or something now, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one film in the country was Crocodile Dundee. This was its yeah. seventh week of release, and this movie had been playing since late September at the box office and had been number one for every weekend except one since it came out. Wow. And would continue to be number one until Thanksgiving. I did not know Dundee was that much of a Oh my God. And, and it, so Crocodile Dundee finished its gross with $174 million of 1980s money. That's like a $400 million movie. That's wild. It was, I've actually, I've only seen like the second or third one. It's I've seen the first one once, I think. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, number two movie of that weekend, a Martin Scorsese movie. Yet I did this whole Martin Scorsese binge, and yet the two movies of his that I didn't watch basically <laughs> came up. The Color of Money is the number two movie at the box office with uh-huh. Tom Cruise and Paul Newman. Uh, this was its fourth weekend, $4.4 million. Soul Man in number three. Peggy Sue Got Married, which I actually saw for the first time uh, over the... Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. My mother and I watched it. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, it's a right. it's a favorite movie of hers. Big debut for uh, Nicolas Cage. And then a movie called Taipan, the highest grossing uh, yes new movie at the box office was number five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of this list, it's something wild. Pretty easy actually. I said I put something wild too. I also found other things that you know didn't necessarily rank but came up. Where a Roy Scheider movie came out. Um, a kind of somewhat same world as something wild. Sid and Nancy, uh, biopic starring Gary Oldman, uh, came out as well. Uh, I'm going with. I I definitely go with something wild. This this is one of the first times that we've had an intersection of movies on our chain in a box office because Top Gun still hanging around at number eleven. Oh well. And uh, Born to Ride still hanging around at number three hundred fifty six. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I, since you didn't bring it to the to the table this time, I will say one important thing that did happen on this day, same day that Something Wild came out over in Norway was the release of Farlig Flirt. <laughs> uh, uh, we, I, if we had like, like sub-headline names for the episodes, I think 
Farling Flort is the name of the <laughs> Farling Flort. I know you have the accent better. This is why I don't know that's how to your... pronounce the O with the slash through it. But that's what I, I, I hope that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the Cinema Chain Gang podcast has been banned in what country was that? In Norway. In Norway. Uh, this is a great movie. Uh, this is easily one of the best things we've watched. Um, yeah, this is real top of the heap for it's, me. It's like I I have like a little bit of like semi comedy block right now in my favorite movies that we've watched. It's like Diner, Something Wild, Sleepless in Seattle, and The Birdcage are all next next to each other. I, yeah, my, mine's something similar to that. It's way up there. And I've also come to love this movie more watching it the second time for the podcast and talking about it with you. Oh, I actually like have, I didn't say because of you. I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pretend like that was sweet. Want to make a new change? I do. I do. So how are we going to top the last chain? I, are we are we poised for like real letdown? I, I don't know. I don't know. Nick, on my screen, I have 10 actresses. I'm going to say three, as in three leads in something wild. We are going from Jeff Daniels to Chloe Savini. Chloe Savini. Yeah. We're going from Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, Chloe Savini, separated by one actor. Somebody who's appeared in a movie we watched before, Chris Messina. Okay. Daniels and Messina are in, believe it or not, another movie that I really like, uh, Away We Go. Oh, I've never seen that. John Krasinski, Maya Rudolph. We, yeah. Chris Messina and Chloe Svigny are in a 2019 film together called The True Adventures of Wolf Boy. I think this, I think this is a winner. Have you seen The True Adventures of Wolf Boy? I have not. But I, I haven't either, but I've now seen the poster. Yeah. And uh, I do consider myself a wolf of podcasting myself. So, um, you I know, it, it feels spiritually like a teen wolf kind of thing. Minus 4,000. You do. A, can you recognize the wolves in this picture? <laughs> Joke in two weeks. Oh, my God. The true adventures of wolf. Let me just double check that like this movie's findable first. Yes, it's on Tubi. You know, we've been getting a lot of Tubi movies I, yeah. lately. You know what? Tubi is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> It is. It is. Um, all right. So. Um, oh, my God. Let me just say this that is not what I was expecting. <laughs> let me just say that one more time just I... to be clear. So Jeff Daniels to Chloe Savigny by way of Chris Messina. The two movies we're watching next are Away We Go. And you know it. I know it. We all know it. The True Adventures of Wolf Boy. 78% of Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, man. I, and are, we, are you going to like Wolf Boy better than one of my favorite movies? Away We Go. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know really know what to do with this wolf boy guy. I need I need time to reflect on this. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Um, well, my our condolences to to our friend Peter for not uh, not pulling speed, but it's okay. He'll be fine. I don't know if there's any any way that we could have gone from Jeff to Chloe speed in two. So yeah, no Kevin Bacon's fault. No, and we we have integrity on this podcast. We do, unfortunately, for everybody involved. <laughs> Away We Go will be the next episode of the Cinema Chain Gang podcast for Nick Ricardo. I'm Andrew Ogier. The chain continues. Rip Papuli, Rip Ray, Rip Tony. Say, say the name of that movie once, one more time. Uh, no, I think I, th I think we should end on a serious note. Flargenflirt. There you go. Rip Flargenflirt. <laughs> <laughs>